Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode 394. <laughs> Closing in on 400, which is a milestone. Correct. But at the same time, it's really not a milestone. Correct. Like, what's the big deal? It's one where it's yeah, it's just a lens. We're going to keep doing it, even if nobody listens to it. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're still cruising. Maybe maybe 394 is a milestone. Uh, maybe. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which we think we stole from Dr. Dan Siegel, which is the best predict- predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, Keyshawn Johnson's parenting decisions. Keyshawn Johnson is a former NFL player, and uh, he did something kind of interesting with his son. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And what's your half? Well, we're going to kind of go through a checklist for self-compassion. Here's why. Wednesday, which if you're listening on Tuesday, September 5th, then you will know that Wednesday, September 6th, Todd and I are offering a class at the Elmhurst Public Library that happens to be free, by the way, um, about self-compassion. It's part of a compassion series that we're doing for our community. And of course, you have to start with self... <laughs> what was that? It's money. I know, but there. I said it was free. The class is free, so that doesn't work. Okay. So it is self-compassion is the key to all of it because the compassion series is in September, we're talking about self-compassion. In October, we have a class about marital compassion. And in November, we have a class about um, parental compassion. So many of you- a lot of compassion. Well, many of you may say, excuse me, I was going to choke. Don't choke. I'll try not to. Many of you may say, well, I'm going to wait till parental compassion because that's really what I want to hear about. And I'd have to say, sorry, peeps, you you have to understand self-compassion to be able to practice parental compassion. Because otherwise you're starting in the middle. Now, there may be some of you say, I can't come to those. I can only come to parental compassion. Okay, we're not, it, it's not a turn you away. But if you, you want to squeeze as much value out of it, go to all three, starting with self-compassion. Exactly. Self-compassion, because it is the key. You know, we like to be like, I want to be more compassionate toward my kid, or I want to understand how to be a more compassionate parent, but I don't want to think about myself. Just tell me how to do it for my kid. You can't do it that way. It has to start with you. And I'm hoping this class tomorrow night really makes you, gives you some peace. I mean, we live with such like heaviness and like overwhelm about what we should be doing or who we should be or what we didn't do or what we did in the past or what we have to do. And self-compassion just takes that down so many notches. That's right. I mean, it really is a practice that changes your life. So so the um, so the other event, are you done with the library thing? Well, no. Okay. Hold on one Go second. Ahead. Go to zenparentingradio.com, click on live events, and you'll just, all you have to do, you'll see, we have a calendar there. So you just click on... Um, you know, the class and register. Uh, Again, it's at the library. It's free. For those of you who aren't in Elmhurst, it's open now to, you know, everybody. So some of you who tried to register out from out of town, the library initially said, no, we got to wait for just Elmhurst people. And Mm -hmm. then like two weeks at a time, we'll open it up. So it's open. Um, And then real quick regarding our website, which we absolutely love. um, We kind of, the way most websites work, there's a a lot of different ways of getting to certain places. Uh And I do want to highlight the, in the upper right-hand corner of, if you're on your laptop or your computer. On zenparentingradio.com. It says get Zen. And that is kind of the most direct way of going to the live events. Oh, good. Remember how we talked to Brad? I do. Actually, that's the most, that's the easiest way to get to everything. Yeah. The upper right-hand corner, get Zen. And then there's a drop-down arrow that comes up and it says attend live live events. So there you go. Uh, Speaking of live events, we have a a screening of a movie called Angst, which is breaking the stigma against anxiety. And it's in Elmhurst uh, at York Theatres on September 11th. Yeah. So it's next Monday. Yes. And what I was, I sorry, sorry, I interrupted you, Todd, but this movie, the other um, tagline that they have besides breaking the stigma, if that's something that doesn't mean anything to you, is about normalizing the experience of anxiety. Because a lot of you, uh, there's been a few people I've talked to who are like, well, I don't really experience anxiety or this is not something that I don't, (laughs) nobody said to me. Everybody experiences anxiety. Right. And that's the thing is like, even if you feel that you do not, 
or, most or maybe likely, not to the point where you think you need to address it and see a movie about it. Right. So actually one thing that I can kind of help with is I was listening to our show from last week and last week we talked all about anxiety and normalizing and we, you know, it was kind of like a, um, a way to talk more about the screening we have. And we kept saying, well, you may have a diagnosis, you may not have a diagnosis, you may have a disorder, you may not. And here's how you decide between the two. If the anxiety is causing your life to not be manageable anymore the way it used to be, meaning if you're feeling like you cannot attend to things the way you used to, like you can't go to school anymore or going to work is highly anxious, you know, anxiety provoking and you worry about it or you're not sleeping anymore. Really, the the way that as a therapist decides whether or not this is a disorder or something diagnosable is, is your everyday life been impacted in a way that you can't manage the way you used to? Regardless of whether the, what you're feeling is diagnosable, we all feel anxiety. And so how we can cope with it and understand what our brain is doing when we're anxious gives us more information to help ourselves. So it's on September 11th. And the one thing that I want to say is it's uh, perfect for uh, teens or tweens. Correct. Please bring them. You know, kids these days get anxious about sports and grades and things like that. And um, it, it'll be just a wonderful vehicle vehicle of conversation with your kid. Because teens and tweens don't know that other people feel it. They mm-hmm. think they're the only ones. So if you get into a relationship with a teen or tween, hopefully you have this relationship with your child, but they will often tell you or, you know, they tell us that... They're like, yeah, but no one would understand this. No one feels this way. Nobody knows what happens in my brain. Nobody knows what happens in my body. Actually, you are so not alone. What you're experiencing is very typical. I'm not, you know, I use the word typical, meaning if we normal, when we normalize something, it doesn't mean, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It just means this is something that you can do something about. There you go. Um, So uh, a few quick takes. Mm -hmm. Um, Quick takes again, huh? Yeah, I think you'll like these though. Oh, good. Um, First of all, there is a a former NFL player. His name is Todd Marinovich. Okay. Does that name ring a bell to you at all? Mm -mm. So Todd Marinovich is a guy who has had, um, I think there's even a 30 for 30 on him. And he was drafted with all these expectations and he fell down the wrong path and drugs and all that other stuff. So okay. the guy's 48 years old now. Okay. He never made it into the NFL, at least not in the way that everybody He got drafted, hoping. but then he didn't. Right. So the, over the weekend, he threw seven touchdowns and returned to competitive football with the SoCal Coyotes. I don't know who the SoCal Coyotes, some minor league football team, whatever. Um, so he's the former quarterback for USC and the Raiders, and he played his first professional football game in seven years. Marinovich, who started started at USC, uh, played his first game since 2000 when he was a member of the LA Avengers in the Football League. Uh, While the skill level is not obviously the same, the fact that this guy never gave up, Mm -hmm. 48-year-old, and um, he he has had all these stories written about him about how he just never, ever amounted to anything. And this is what's interesting. He's referring to his much publicized 30-year battle with drug addiction, Mm -hmm. which reached an all-time low in August of 16 when he was arrested after being found naked in a stranger's backyard in Irvine, California, holding a paper bag full of drugs. So this is just under a year year ago. ago. And he moved uh, to the desert shortly after to begin a rehab program, and he's been sober ever since. And it's just a wonderful... Um, human interest story in never giving up. Mm-hmm. I love it. So here's my second one real quick. Okay. Um, there is a guy named Jake Olson. Okay. He's been blind since he was 12 years old. Okay. He lost his left eye as a baby because of a rare form of cancer called retinoblastoma, and he lost his right eye at the age of 12. He joined the USC Trojans. It's funny. It's USC again. And actually, Keyshawn played for USC. This is all about wow, USC. Wow, USC day. Um, he joined the USC Trojans. He's a blind kid. Okay. And USC is one of the top programs in the country. Um, and he walked on as a long snapper. Do you know what a long snapper is? Mm-mm. It's the center who hikes the ball between his legs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who uh, hikes it back to either the holder for field goals or the punter for punting. Um, and a week after the NCAA cleared him to play, he was making live snaps and live drills at practice. 
On Saturday, he finally got to enter a live game in the fourth quarter of USC's win over Western Michigan. And I have a little uh, audio clip of it. So this is Jake Olson, who's long snapping for USC Trojans. Snaps him up, kicks at USC spring games, but he's never done this in a live football game. So here he is. So Jake Olson, how about this for an inspirational moment? He is out there snapping. And a good snap from Jake. Listen to the crowd. Look at the USC sideline. So whenever I feel like I can't do something, I mean, that's just amazing. Yeah. Well, he can't see, and he's playing D one. I don't care what he's doing. He just played a, a play. So he's blind in both eyes. Yes, he's blind. The guy is blind. How do you do that? B- because it's a muscle memory. He can hike the ball through his legs without without being reinforced by the ability to see. It's like one distance, right? Over and over, over and, and over again. And, and then the holding the ball to be kicked, you don't have to know when the kicker's coming, right? Um, well, I think it's audible. So the, the holder will say, hut, hut, hike. Got it. He'll snap the ball, and that's all he has to do is snap the ball and then block a little bit. Okay. You know what I thought you said? He's, is he also sometimes when the kicker is going to kick, he holds no, the ball? No, that's the holder. He's that's the, the snapper. Holder. He's the snapper. Okay. Well, that's amazing. It is. Yeah. And I just think it's wonderful. So anyways. Well, and you know, really the thing about doing what you want to do in life is it really is a choice. And it's one of the – who was I listening to? It was a great podcast. It could have been – oh, you know what I was listening to? Tim Ferriss, his podcast. He had a round table of people who were like some of the people he'd had on the show previously, mm. and they were all talking about when to give up and when not to give mm. up. And it was a really good podcast, meaning that everybody had kind of a different take on it. And it wasn't all about like – you keep going till yeah, persevere the end. at no. all costs. There was people. There was one guy who was talking about that he and his buddy had this podcast. It was a pretty well known podcast, but I can't remember the name. They were doing well. They had ad sales. They had enough downloads to have advertisers. Um, it was going well, but they realized it wasn't growing the way they wanted it to, and they're like, "Eh, this is not where we want to spend our time." Right. So he's like, "Some people were like, why would you quit that?" He's like, "I didn't quit it. I just let it go." Mm. But there were also people saying, "If there is something you want to do or something you want." Then just go there and figure out a way you may not end up – and here's the key to understanding success. You may not be the best one. You may not become the most famous one. You may not be able to be president of the United States. There's. It's not about if you work hard enough, you can be that thing. But move toward it and you will get some version of it, either the experience of working with other people like that, the experience of being in the field, the experience of being the person you always – you know, the job you always wanted. It doesn't always pan out exactly the way you want it to be. But the point they were making is we are much more willing – to risk hating our job and our lives every day, mm-hmm. then we are willing to risk doing something out of the box. Letting our heart sing. And letting our heart sing. Now, with that said, I have to say this because we've had all this experience with people around us who have gone too far into the heart singing area right. where you have to have money coming in. Head in the clouds, feet on the ground. Correct. And what I always use is the lang- the yoga language. You have to root to rise. Root means you have to be able to pay your bills. You have to be able to pay the gas man and to you know pay for the food for your family. And then you rise. And some people will say, well, I just want to you know, put it all out there. Some people say burn the boats. Burn, right. And not allow um, anything other than success in whatever endeavor I'm going towards. And that may work for some people, correct? but it's such a small minority. And it it puts everyone else in a risky position. If you have a family and you are like, I'm just going to quit my job and just go for this thing and just and not know what's going to happen and my family's just going to have to go on this ride with me, Because that's it's rough. my dream and they have to um, support me and all that. And right. Like, no, there's other parts of that equation and it's about self-awareness and the awareness of how your decisions affect others around you. Ripple effect. But if you're like, you know what? I have a partner who's going to work part-time or full-time. I'm going to pursue this dream. Um, My kids are, you know, there's nothing coming up that I'm, you know, maybe they're not, it's not college time yet. This is the time. Or I'm single or I just got divorced or there's ways that I'm just doing this on my own. 
you have to assess. The key is, is that balance between going for your dream and maybe, and even like, you know, some of the work that I've done, I have to find, you know, I teach, I teach at two universities, right? I teach, I bring in money. There's presentations I have to do. I have an individual practice. I sell books. Then I can go out and those are the th- ways that I make money. Yeah. Or Todd, he has a full-time job. Sometimes people don't know that about know. you. Do you know that? I do know that. And then he has a full-time job. And on top of that, he does men's group, you know, Zen Parenting Radio. But we wouldn't just like, you know, not do any of those things and just hope for, and yep. I don't even know what, what, I mean, I feel happy right here. What, well, what is our, what is our long-term goal here, babe? What's wrong is always available. And so is what's right. And if you're listening to this podcast, there's something right going on in your life. Yeah. You might be experiencing some crisis, yeah. but with that crisis, are you able to breathe in and out? Are you able to look at a tree? Like there's so many different things that you can look at to say, this is something good that's happening, but sometimes we're just programmed to see the negative. And, tell, and I love what you just said, but what is that connected to? What are you, why are you saying that? Um, I think I... This came to me because you were talking about, I don't even know how. Isn't that interesting? Because I'm not, but what you said is 100% accurate, but I didn't know if you were connecting. Well, you're like, you're like, well, I'm happy where I am. Oh. And we we can all be happy where we are. Oh, good point. Meaning that not everything about happiness is about our striving to reach some kind of place. Right, right. And that's, and really what we know from like understanding change behavior and understanding research about change, we usually do not progress to higher levels until we're in appreciation of where we are. And what is a higher level anyway? Mm. This is where I start to get really deep and philosophical. What does that mean? Right. Do, you know, what if Todd and I had 10,000 more people listening to that should to this show? Mm. Would Maybe that would be helpful to them and I would love that. But you and I, nothing would change in our lives. Right. And we have this belief system that whatever job we're doing, it's not just about podcasting, that if I had this, then everything would change. And I hate to burst your bubble, but wherever you go, there you are. Can I play a clip from Andy Bernard from The Office, the finale of The Office? The finale? So it's not the clip you always play? It is the same one. Oh, okay. But it's worth it. All right. This is Andy Bernard played by, what's his name? His name is, don't tell me, Ed Helms. Ed Helms. Okay. The weird thing is, now I'm exactly where I want to be. I got my dream job at Cornell, and I'm still just thinking about my old pals. Only now they're the ones I made here. I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. And scene. Yes, Todd loves that quote. I do, because we're in the good old days right now. If you're a mom or a dad and you have a two-year-old and and an, and an infant and you don't have any sleep and things suck or you have a teenager who's making you give giving you a run for your money, you're going to look back on these moments and be like, I wish I can go back to that time. I loved it. And that doesn't mean you aren't challenged right now. Right, It's both. It's like you can be challenged and be sleep deprived and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted. And also have some humor about this is, this is life. And for those of you, I know we have a lot of college students who listen, like if you're in college and you're overwhelmed and you're stressed and you're like, I just don't know what I'm going to make of my life and where will I go? And I'm, will I ever make it? Yes. Yeah. You're going to be okay. And that okay means many different things, Right. but may not be the okay that you think right it may not be according to your plan or what everybody else tells you is right so So that's the thing is we just have to have you know going back to i don't even know what we were talking about we're 18 minutes in and we haven't begun the show yet (laughs) story of our life um our first partner is kind snacks i have a kind snack bar in my hand and i am just I've already had one of these. Are you not going to eat it while people I'm are listening? I'm not going to do you? that, but I'll, I'll play the... There's the wrapper. Yeah, okay. Blueberry, vanilla, and cashew. Um, these are uh, snacks that you can get the local grocery, grocery store, airplane, coffee shop, or gym. They're delicious, uh, healthy snacks using whole ingredients you can recognize and pronounce. And I want to just read the first few ingredients of this vanilla blueberry thing, right? Please. Cashews, almonds, chicory root. I don't know what that is. Fiber, blueberries, honey, rice, flour. Is that it? Pretty good. No, there's a few others, but I mean, there's about five or six more, but that it's- It's what it is. It's what it is. Yeah. So anyways. It should be kind bar. It's what it is. Maybe the marketing- 
people are going to listen to this plug and say it is what it is. It is what it is. That's right. I like it. Um, but So there's a special deal. 10 Kind Bars for free. All you have to do is pay the shipping. When you order the sample box, you also get to try the Kind Snacks Club where you will receive monthly snacks at a discount and get members-only bon- bonuses. Uh, change or cancel your uh, snacks at any time. To pick up your free sample box, you have to go to kindsnacks.com slash zen, Z-E-N. Um, and that's the deal. So kindsnacks.com slash zen. Thank you so much for partnering with us, Kind Snacks. I just got an order of like um, four different boxes. In. I know we're kind of becoming those people who have Kind Snack bars everywhere. We've had them. I like found like 10 in the car today. Because they're good. All right. No, they so are. am I going or are you going? Uh, why don't you go uh, and then we'll end with the checklist for self-compassion. Okay. Only because I, as long as we're doing USC and talking yes. about. All right. So let me go to the video clip that I'm going to end up playing. Um, so basically Todd brought this story to me. And he was saying, I said, oh, my gosh, I thought I just read about this this weekend. So I assumed it had just happened. And he said, no, this happened in June. But mm-hmm. I just saw an article about it. I think what's today, Monday on Saturday. So I feel like it's making the rounds yeah, again. Maybe it's just kind of showing up again. So there's this guy named Keyshawn Johnson. Uh, he was the former number one NFL draft pick. And he's the current. He is one of the current ESPN analysts. Um, what did he do? He pulled his son, Keyshawn Jr., out of the University of Nebraska to take an extended leave of absence. The four-star wide receiver came to, Nebra- to Nebraska a semester early but struggled during spring ball, making just one catch for seven yards. He struggled. His struggles off the field were worse. It culminated with marijuana possession citation in his dorm room. Less than two weeks later, Keyshawn made his son return home to California. Okay. So here's a clip of an interview that I found uh, that he did with a woman on ESPN. You made the decision to pull him out of Nebraska, out of the football program. Um, can you tell us why? Well, I felt like he, you know, he's, he got there in January and he missed some time because he had his appendix removed. So he was a little behind. So he found himself getting into things that he shouldn't been getting into, smoking weed. And I know everybody says, oh, weed's not that big of a deal. It's just like wine and beer and cigarettes and cigars. Yes, that's true. But the problem is they say don't do it. Don't do it. We don't want you doing it in the NFL. We don't want you doing it in college sports. Don't do it. So the conversation I had with him, once I found out the situation, because obviously I'm not micromanaging him to the point, because I'm in L.A., he's in Nebraska, he's now hanging around people that... He shouldn't be hanging around if they're going to do, do that and get into those situations. So it becomes a peer pressure situation. And I've always told him, be a leader and not a follower. You ain't got to follow people just because you got a logo on you that say Nebraska. They're going to be your friend. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they want to be your friend so they can say they're friends with Keyshawn Johnson Jr. And just understand the position that you put yourself in. If you want to be successful in life, then that's not the road to take today. Mm-hmm. You want to smoke weed when you're 30 years old and you you done made it and do, do all you want. In fact, I'll buy you a forest if that's the case. <laughs> but you got to graduate from college. Yeah. You have to set yourself up for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a big Twitter guy or Instagram guy, but I've seen messages from people, oh, you're too hard on... No, you're not going to tell me what to do with my son. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. And he's going to learn from his mistake and he'll be better from it. He's mm-hmm. here at home. He's training. He's working out. And if he doesn't want to play football like I told him, don't play because I'm not living vicariously through you. I already played. I don't need your money. Mm-hmm. So if you want to play sports and that's what you really, truly, honestly want to do, then you need to show me, show Nebraska, show Mike Riley and Keith Williams, the receiver coach, that these are the things that you want to do so you can graduate from school. A lot of people think that, okay, he smoked weed, smack on the hand, he should stay in school. He should... No, 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 we're not doing that mm-hmm. because... That shows right there to me that you just letting it slide, sweeping it under the rug. Mm-hmm. The next thing you know, he'll have a second offense, a third offense, fourth sure. offense. Now they're going to kick him out. He'll be at junior college. And then once he goes to junior college, the Lord knows what would happen to there. Although I went to junior college, you, it's, it's a harder process. Sure. I've set it up for you to succeed. I've put you in a position to succeed. And I told him the other night. All right. So he goes on with that. But um, thoughts? Well, I, Todd read me the article and I wasn't sure because there had a feel of like the authoritarian parenting in the article. And again, that was someone else writing it. Yes, exactly. Now, when he played me that, I was like, hmm, this is interesting because again, first of all, just know everybody, Todd and I don't know all the details from this. We're just listening to this as- This is as we understand As we understand it. So people may be like, what about this? What about this? I don't know all the details, Mm -hmm. but what I know from what he said is the, the things that stand out to me the most, A- 
his point that he made at the end. I'm not living vicariously through you. I was in the NFL. That was powerful when he said that. So I don't need you to be successful. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want this, be done with it. But don't make a fool out of Nebraska Mm -hmm. for having you there. Like, don't make a fool out of yourself Mm -hmm. for in, in being there. And kind of like, he's not micromanaging. He's saying, we're not, you know, and I loved at the beginning when he said, you know, you may say, oh, weed's no big deal. Or it's just like alcohol or whatever. But the rules are yeah. you can't do it. So we can talk all we want about that marijuana isn't as bad as alcohol, whatever. I, you know, I, I have no judgment about that and mm-hmm. or meaning that I don't want to get into that debate. Sure. But if you're in Nebraska as a football player, you can't do it. That's what they say. If you're going to come play football for us, these are the things you can and cannot do. And so. So devil's advocate, though. Yeah. The transition to college is not easy tough. for anybody, especially to his point. You know, everybody's going to love him. He's Keyshawn Johnson. He's son. a Nebraska player, A. And everybody, yeah. Nebraska's like an NFL team for that yeah. region, aren't they? Well, I mean, yeah. they. I think they, about your friend Chris Hansen. Yeah, they are viewed as, you know, they're as important of people as any NFL players. If you're in the state of Nebraska, everybody knows who you are. Everybody knows what high school you went to. That's what I mean. Everybody knows everything. Significant pressure. But- so I think the only, and, and we don't know all the information, but the w- way I received it is, man, if my parents would have pulled me out for um, my first major offense, whether it be underage drinking or any number of other, maybe I get a D in a class, like, I don't know. Because he says, like, a slap on the wrist is going to work. But see, it's different. You were not on the Nebraska football team. But I probably signed something from Drake University saying I'll obey the whatever the the code of conduct as a freshman. Totally different, though. I That one I would d- definitely disagree with because you are not a high-profile player. You are, and, and Todd, you were high-profile at school. No, you were high-profile enough. In intramurals, um, maybe. In intramurals. Yeah. But what I mean is you were a guy going to college and you had friends and a social life, but no one was watching your every step. I know it's there not. There is a responsibility when you're in the spotlight. I know it's not the same. It's I not. just, I, what I would like to hear in addition to, not instead of, but in addition to is I, maybe I flew out to see my son and had a conversation with him to find out exactly what was going on. Right. Because if he made this gut decision after one getting busted for weed and he just pulled him out automatically, I'd be like, hold on, maybe, maybe there's some room instead of displacing him out of Nebraska, yeah. bringing him home. And maybe he did all these things. That's what I was going to say. Know. Because one of the things- He seems I, like a really good dad. Totally. And one of the things I read in the article is that he made an agreement. It's not normal yeah. to have a football player who has like signed their contract for that university mm-hmm. to pull them out for yeah. uh, you know for a period of time. That's not typical. But because he he knows him, yeah, he, the, knows, the he coach. knows the coach, he made an agreement with the coach. And mm-hmm. so there's some privilege right there yeah. in that he, he was capable of doing that. But I think the fact- that he made that agreement and that that was an option gave him more flexibility to do something more extreme. I think if a parent showed up and said, I don't care, they're kicked off the team for good, but they're coming home, Mm -hmm. there's more consequences to that choice. But I I think what he's saying is I'm going to – let's – you need to come home mm-hmm. and figure out what you're going to do here. You need here. to get recentered. You need to get recentered, and it may or may not work. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's funny. Like I think of all these different parenting experts, and we talk about natural consequences. Is what Keyshawn did to his son a natural consequence, or is that overstepping? Because maybe a natural consequence was whatever he's suspended from the team for right. a month or something right. like that. Like, what does a natural consequence really mean? I don't know because it's all relative, depending on what's natural for you. Mm-hmm. Like, what's a natural environment? for someone who is the son of such a high-profile player. It's a totally different environment, and I think that's why he needed to step in. Now, I don't know if this choice is right or wrong for them or everyone has a different viewpoint on it. I think – but what I heard in this this interview was – you know, because this what I said to Todd after he played this for me the first time is I was thinking about if one of our girls was at college and we were paying for half of school or maybe more than half of school or, you know, we we were footing the bill for a lot of what they were doing and mm-hmm. they were getting in trouble left and right or dropping out of classes. I'd be like, wait a second. Yeah. 
I would also be a parent. I may not show up and pull them out of school that moment, but I may be like, now, wait a second. There's an agreement that we had. So what happens, let's say, whatever, our daughters, they first semester, they get D's across, the, she gets D's across the board. Uh-huh. Like, I don't think we'd pull her out of school. I'd say, how can we support you? Again, it's all relative, Todd. See, that's the thing is this is why any, if you guys read an article about this and there's any therapist that says, this is what you have to do every time, right. they're wrong. Right. <laughs> because this is there so, is no every time. there is no every time. This is so relative. Because when your child is going into school, you already have a relationship with them. You already have an agreement on what school <laughs> means to them, why they chose it, who's paying, who's responsible. So all the decisions are based around those kinds kind of choices. So when you're like, what if one of our daughters was in school and was getting all D's? It's not like I would figure that out the day I got the report card. I would, the relationship I have with the girls, Mm -hmm. they would have probably told me in the first month, I am failing these tests. And then there would be some kind of intervention or how can I support you? And I don't mean intervention, like I'd pull them out, but like- Yeah. I think what I would want to know from Keyshawn, if he was sitting at this table, I'd be like, what preceded this? Correct. Yes. What did you know? Right. Um, because it's funny, I think even in the beginning, he's like, I don't micromanage my kids. So he could have just said, go to school, go do your thing. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about, I was just talking to the girls today. We were driving home from family camp and I had my two oldest girls in the car with me and you were with Skylar. What did you and Skylar do on the way home? We chatted and then she watched a movie. Okay. And I listened to podcasts. So we were, we were talking and I was kind of telling them about high school and college and, you know, they kind of make fun of me about high school a little bit. And, but high school was not, when I say it was easy for me, what I mean is it was a little bit smoother, more fluid, more flowing. I felt like I belonged to that kind of thing. I had issues, got my heart broken, had trouble, all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, it was all right. Jumping from high school to college was really hard for me. My probably one of my hardest years was my freshman year. Yeah. My my friends in college probably didn't know that. Yeah. But I definitely it was a hard transition because I didn't feel like I belonged initially. It all worked out. By right. sophomore year I was fine. But my point is you can do well in high school and be fine at home and then have a challenging transition where his son, is his son also named Keyshawn? Yes, Keyshawn so, Jr. So Keyshawn Jr. may have been like, hey, high school was pretty great. I'm going to this amazing school. I'm playing football. And he may have gotten there and been like, whoa, mm-hmm. I am no longer, he's still kind of a big fish because yeah. of his you know, connection to his dad, For sure. but he's not the biggest fish anymore. There's whoa. other players who are just as good as him. Right. So he may have a belonging issue. That may be why he's, you know, you using marijuana, you know, to it's, you know, any kind of using of anything is a medicinal. I don't want to feel my feelings. Sure. We all have to admit it, right? Yep. Why yep. do we come home and have a glass of wine? Yep. I don't want to feel my stress, yep. you know, so we can point fingers and say, I would never do that, but everyone has their form of yep. it. I don't want to do this. So I'm going to scroll through my Facebook feed. We don't like to feel our feelings. So to your point, again, going I'm, now I'm taking the other argument. He may be a great kid mm. having a tough year, yeah. but then is that decision still not a good one? Mm. It could be the best thing for him. Or we'll find out. We'll find out. And that's the thing. I think if nothing else, there is no right answer. No. Mm -mm. So like when somebody asks us or we ask somebody what if we're challenged by something, there's there's no black and white. There's no absolute anything. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And so much of his so much of it is based Mm. on your connection and your communication. Mm. If you give me more insight to how you're connected and how you communicate, I could probably give you more information. But just looking at things on the surface, I don't know yeah. because I have no idea how those two things are playing out. Right. So hopefully that, um, you know. It's interesting. You. Yeah, it's interesting. So our second partner is care.com. What is care.com? It's the world's largest digital marketplace for finding and managing family care. Um you can find sitters, nannies, housekeepers, dog walkers, senior care, tutors, you name it. So you got to check them out. I actually got on their site and um, tried to find a, um, a babysitter for date night. And I got like seven or eight different applications all from the area. And it worked out really, really well. So I encourage you to check out care.com. Um, a few quick things about it. There is a uh, special offer, offer for our listeners and you have to go to care.com slash zen and you can save 30% off of care.com premium membership when you visit care.com slash zen when you subscribe. So um, it's a pretty cool deal. And like I said, it's all these different uh, – for our audience, it's probably more like babysitting nights and tutors and right. things like that. But there's a lot of good things out there. So go to care.com slash zen and sign up for your premium membership 30% off. All right. 
Okay. So the last thing we're going to talk about is this checklist for self-compassion. And again, I the reason why I wanted to talk about this on the show is since we're doing this whole series this fall about self-compassion here in our Chicagoland area, I wanted to make sure that people understood why this is so essential. And, you know, sometimes we think about compassion as being something outside of ourselves. And the truth is to be compassionate toward other people, we have to be able to feel it in our own body for us. And I wanted to tell you guys a funny story just so you know that, you know, we all struggle with this including myself. The first one on this checklist, um, this checklist for self-compassion is number one, smile at your reflection in the mirror. Mm. Okay. Sounds really easy, right? And it's something that you might want to practice because it kind of makes you laugh looking at yourself and smiling. But I want to give you a version of this that I've been struggling with lately. I, I meditate in the morning and Lately, since I read uh, Sharon Salzberg's book called Real Love, um, I've been practicing more loving kindness meditation. And what loving kindness meditation is, where you have a, the mantra that you say to yourself is, and again, there's many forms, but this is what I've been saying to myself. May I be safe. May I be healthy. May I live with ease. Uh, harmony and joy. Sometimes it comes out ease, comfort and joy. Sometimes it comes out like it's funny how your brain like puts different words. But basically, that's what I've been saying. It's a loving kindness towards self. Now, the goal of loving kindness meditation is you eventually you not only do this for yourself, but you do it for the people around you that you love. And then eventually you take it to the bigger circle and mm. you take it to people that you struggle with. Mm. Okay. When I say take it to, what I mean is within your meditation, you send loving kindness to people that you struggle with. Got it. There's a few people I struggle with. Yes. A few leaders. We all do. Yes. I struggle with a few leaders. Um, and that's a hard, and that's a hard concept for me. But my point is is that when I'm practicing loving kindness toward myself in my own meditation, I hear my self-judgment on top of my mantra saying, you're being too loving towards yourself, mm. or you should be extending this to other people right now. And again, it's not that it, the voice is that clear. It's this feeling you get where you're like, oh, all this meditation is about me feeling good. Yeah. Shouldn't I be giving this to other people? Your ego is clever, sweetheart. Wow. And I have been just that learning alone has been helpful. That's loving kindness has done its job. Now, what I did is I decided at least for two months, I'm just directing it toward myself. Mm. And I am going to, I'm not trying to have a fight with my ego, but I'm trying to say no. I hear you, ego. You think that I'm being selfish by directing this toward me. But until I can direct it toward me, in that voice is more my inner dialogue rather than the ego saying this is selfish because right. that that inner that that voice of ego will always be there you can't get rid of it but until the other one is a little louder where it's like nope i hear you um i i'm not going to stop mm -hmm. because what this is what self-compassion is about what you give toward yourself you naturally give to others so if i want to be more loving to todd toward the girls toward the world toward people i see on the street the more Loving kindness I'm giving to myself, the more I have to offer. If you are an empty cup, if you have no water in your cup, you have nothing to share with people. If you are full of compassion because you've been practicing it toward yourself, you are going to overflow for other people. Do, do we understand this? Because this, I'm saying this because I'm still struggling with this. I still struggle too. And I have two different examples. One is I haven't lost my wallet in a long time, but I, like in my teens and 20s, I used to. You lost wallet. it a lot in the last couple. Not this year, but remember, in the last like couple of years, there was a few times you misplaced it. You found it again. Right, I retrieved it. Like right. I used to like lose it, lose it. Uh, where I'd have to go get another driver's license, it. and I would get so frustrated with myself. Yeah. And like, if my buddy said that to me, I'd be like, "Oh, well, you made a mistake. You lost your wallet. You forgot it, and the your buddy, whatever. You just did it." So, and then like even like lately, there's you know a lot of things that are going on in this world, and sometimes I feel like I can be doing more to make our world a better place, whether it be writing notes to congressmen or marching in a protest or whatever. And, you know, I have people in my life say, dude, you do this podcast where you help people and you do this men's group and you coach people and you do these things and you're a wonderful, you know, dad to your daughters who, and that has ripple effects. But I'm always like, no, it's not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Nope. I, I can take it. And part of that is a survival mechanism because we're always looking for how can I do more? How can, like there's nothing wrong with having the feeling of I am capable of many things, yeah. but that is has to be balanced with 
there are times that you have to acknowledge what you're doing. My biggest problem is like if somebody came to me with the exact same scenario and did these things, I'd be like, oh my God, look at everything you're doing. Mm -hmm. Look at everything you're doing. But because it's me, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I hold myself up to a greater standard or where that comes from, Mm -hmm. but like, it's messed up and it's a lack of self-compassion. Right. That's exactly what it is. It's a lack of self-compassion and it's not so much messed up as it is you, you see what's happening. See... The more we pay attention to the way our brain works and the way that the voices in our head works, the more we understand human nature and why people do what they do because we understand that what happens in our own brain is not just us. Everybody has that experience of the ego. That's just part of who we are. So you're sitting here saying, oh my gosh, I'm so hard on myself. It's so messed up. It's not messed up. Everybody you're around has the same experience. Now you may say, but sometimes I'm making all these you know, great choices. And sometimes I'm with people who aren't making great choices. So they must not have that internal voice. Mm -hmm. You bet they do. do. And you know what it's caused them to do? Make poor choices. That voice has gotten so loud that they have made, they have a, they have made a choice to maybe medicate it Mm -hmm. with things like, you know, alcohol or affairs Mm -hmm. or, you know, skipping work or, you know, there, that voice affects the way we choose to live. Well, and it's, and I don't know how related this is, but like if a friend of mine comes up to me with um, an issue and needs some support, I can say the loving things that that, I'll just call it a guy, of that that guy needs mm-hmm. to hear. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm good at helping people in those situations, mm-hmm. but I, I can help somebody else in that situation, but I go through those same situations where I right. get confused and stuck, but I don't have the ability to step outside of myself and give myself that same love and support. Instead, right. I'm like, no, that's you're not doing enough. You do. Well, what if it's it's both things? What if you say because this is exactly what we're talking about here with this checklist that it's much more difficult, mm-hmm. but it is possible. Right. Because that's what this checklist is about. Is like everything else we talk about on the show. You know, insert eye roll here. It's a practice. You know, like every you can't. It's not just something that you get and you can do. It's a practice. And so your voice, like me in my loving kindness meditation, all I'm hearing is you're being selfish. You're directing all this love toward you rather than the world. Mm -hmm. And then my practice, what my strong voice inside said, and you know what that means? I need to do this for two more months this way yeah. because I've got this voice that's telling me that I'm being selfish when the whole intention is to understand loving kindness so I can offer it to others. So what do you tell the voice when it's telling you that this is selfish and self-directed? Like like what is your, you know, in your essence, uh-huh. in your loving essence, do you talk to that voice uh-huh. who's questioning you? What do you say to it? I hear you. I hear you. I know. I see you there. It's like a child. It's like a tantruming child. Do you child. ever want to tell him to sh- or her to shut up? No, because that part of myself has also saved my life in many ways. Like the pieces of ourselves that sometimes in certain situations in our brain become the villain, mm. they can also be the strong parts of ourselves that have gotten us through really tough times. So that piece of myself is not always the villain. So can you have loving kindness to that voice? Yes. That's Is that the, practice. the whole idea? Exactly. At the same time, she... You don't have to listen to her. She does not run the show. Who runs the show? Me. Who are you? I am the... S. I am the, the, the knowing self that love of self is essential for me to be loving toward others. And I don't mean that in a knowledge-based way. I mean that in a oneness way. Because Todd's asking me these questions because he's, he's trying to see if I can like, mm-hmm. you know, when we ask someone, who are you? We Put say, oh, I'm to... Kathy. And, right. you know, well, what are you? I'm a mom. No, 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 no. What are you underneath all those things? What I am is I am a soul that was given the opportunity to have a body in this world, and my job is to take care of the soul I have, that I am. And if I take care of the soul that I am, I have the capability to take care of people around me. If I come in and say, yeah, I was given this soul and this body, um, but I'm not going to take care of this. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to try and do everything outside of me. Mm -hmm. Well, things are naturally going to fall apart in, in ways that fall apart may be, it may not be, that you lose all your money and that, you know, yeah. everything. It could just be life is stressful, life is, life is hard. It always feels like I'm rowing upstream. The way you row downstream and you catch the current of 
energy of the universe is by taking care of your own soul. That's my responsibility. That is the one job I was given. When somebody asked me that question and I stole it from a book, but it, it helps me is I am the observer of my thoughts. And that is, when I first read that, I'm like, I don't understand what the difference is between your thoughts and the observer of your thoughts. But all for me is it's just creating a little bit of space behind the voice that's talking to right. you in your which meditation. Is, which are thoughts. That's your thought. Correct. Can you can you observe that thought as not being who you are? And when you're like the observer of your thoughts, who's the observer? The observer the is you, and that's what I call the soul. Right. The soul is what came in that was that never dies. It's what goes out that never dies. It was here before you it's showed up. It's the energy. And it will be here after, after you After I'm gone. Yeah. Like I, and again, we all have our own, this can go down a rabbit hole because we all have our own belief systems. But my under, I, I, we have a picture, a few pictures of my dad in the house and every time I walk by my dad's picture, either in my mind or out loud, often the girls are always like, hmm, I say, hi, dad. Yeah. And I talk to him, right? And that is just what I do. Or like in my meditation, I have a thing, a quote of his that I always look at and read. And I'm like, I, I feel him. And this gets, words just don't do this justice. Because people be like, I feel their energy around me. I'm not trying to be cheesy. What I'm saying is my dad is not gone. I still feel his physical body is gone and that sucks. Mm -hmm. And that's where I grieve. Mm -hmm. I'm not over that. Yeah. But he don't you like if I say my dad's name to you, do you know what I mean? Don't you feel him like you he had his own essence. I I know he did and I don't know whether I I don't I don't know if I feel it whether it's talking about your dad or my mom. I don't know if I feel it, but I intellectually know that Although their body is gone, I know they're still here. If I say your mom's name, mm -hmm. if I, I just say Sharon Gillarducci, mm -hmm. what happens to your body when I say Sharon Gillarducci? I don't know. It's, um, Do you feel your mom? I don't think so. I don't know. I, 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 You're too I, stuck in I, there, I'm yeah. I'm too stuck in my okay. head. Because when I hear Sharon Gillarducci, I you, feel yeah, a feeling. You feel something in your body. And that's her essence to me. This and it's the not gone. distance uh, difference between you and I. Do I have the capacity to do what you do? Yes. But it's just... You're questioning whether or not you're using knowledge or yes, body. Yes, yes, and yes. And I would contend that you're using body, but you still don't trust that you're using body because your mind is so used to being in charge. Yes. And because when I hear Sharon Gillarducci or John Cassani, I also use my knowledge, but I can... I can I feel it. See, in a different like way. the closest thing, like you know, this is kind of a silly example, but this this blind kid who snapped. When yes. I watched that video, I got goosebumps. Right, that did not happen in my brain. Correct. So that's an essence, right? Yes. and I just I wish I had more goosebumps. You feel his essence, or like even when Keyshawn was talking, when he talked at what was the. One thing that that was so... Where he said, I already had a career. Yes. I don't need to live through my son. And I do something with like my own voice or my... Like, I'm like, Ugh. Like I, <laughs> I make a noise where I'm like in alignment with what it is that he's saying. And I have to tell this story. So last week was... Um, <laughs> open house. Open house for York High School, which is where our daughter goes to school. And this is, this is our first child in high school. So we're kind of walking around this huge school getting lost. Like yes. I'm totally, this is a huge school because I went to a small school. Todd went to a private school. So, um, so we're walking around and we're meeting all these teachers and we're sitting, listening, I'm sitting next to Todd and the teacher would be talking. He'd be like, Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh. And then you look at me, you'd be like, I like this guy. Yeah. I like this guy. But literally you were so engrossed in what they were saying. And 90% of the time you were pretty in alignment with yeah, what they, everyone was saying. They weren't perfect, but I was so pleased with how that yes, night went yes. with, with the high school, with the teachers. And I didn't go in skeptical, but I certainly didn't go in th thinking I was going to love everything that I right. saw. And I saw a lot more good than bad. I was very oh, grateful. Oh, yeah. I, we, we walked out of that school going... Hmm. Yeah. What an opportunity our child has in a public school here in our town. Yeah. Um, because that, you know, you didn't get to go to a public, not no, get to. But, I went to a private. And my, and I went to a public school, but like I said, it was a smaller town. It was a smaller school and it wasn't really a college prep high school. Yeah. And again, now let me say this. So you guys know that we're, we get the paradox here. There can be a lot more pressure in big schools like that. So Todd and I are very in tune with the fact that there's a lot of pressure at big schools that are are doing well academically. So there has to be a balance there too. Not everything is, you know, is perfect, but if you are if you can be cognizant of both simultaneously, good school, high pressure, then you can manage that in between. Right. Um so 
we're not going to get through this whole list, but let me just give you a few more. We're 50 minutes in. Okay. So I'm just going to give you a few more because I promised you a checklist. Okay. So smile at your reflection. I related that to my experience with loving kindness meditation. The other one, let others compliment you. Oh my gosh. If someone compliments you, one of the most courageous things you can do is just say, thank you. Just and that's a, lot a loving of kindness. I have a hard time doing that. I know. Quit telling everybody why you suck and why really that's just an old outfit and why you shouldn't be getting the compliment. Just absorb it and enjoy it. Number three, bask in other people's approval when it comes your way. If someone offers you something loving or like, wow, you are a really good listener, I guess it's a form of a compliment. Just saying, thank you for saying that. Like, that's kind of my com. If I get a compliment, that's the sentence I use a lot. Is I when I say thank you, period. Sometimes I feel like there's a. It sounds like I'm agreeing, mm-hmm. but if I say thank you for saying that, then what I'm acknowledging is that somebody is commenting mm. about me. Yeah, I almost feel like that's even you're like hedging a little. I bit. am, I am, but it's my practice. Yes, because so then if I were going to, if I was your coach, which I'm not, and I was going to challenge you, is next time somebody says something to you, say thank you. Period. Yes, and there are depending on what the compliment is, there are times when I just say thank you, and yeah. I think some of my friends would because say, "Well, you say thank, thank you. you for saying that," gives it back. You're giving back. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I, if you just say thank you, you're not giving back anything. You're just taking it. Thank you for saying Which is saying what that. a gift is supposed to do, by the way. Am I giving it back? If you say thank you for saying that, you're you're giving them something back. You're giving them another small gift. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying just accept the compliment without thinking you need to repay. Yes. Interesting. If you say th- because a gift, Interesting. a compliment is a, a verbal gift. Accept it, period. Don't feel like you owe them. Boom. Okay, that's interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meditate on that one right. or maybe just think about it. Um, okay, be gentle with yourself over small mistakes. That's everything that compa- self-compassion is. Um, I love this one. Value who you are and stand up for yourself. This is very connected to the essence that we are and that we are, our one job in this world is to take care of the soul and the body that we were given. I always would say this to the fifth grade girls, like when we worked with fifth grade girls, I'd be like, what's your greatest responsibility? And a lot of times they'd say walking the dog. And I'd be like, no, it's you, Mm. it's you. And so what, if you value who you are and stand up for yourself, that doesn't mean you beat up people when they say something about you. It means if someone says something about you that isn't true, Or if there is someone who is hurting your feelings or your partner isn't valuing you, then you say, you know what? This is hard. This is hard for me. And this is all about the how. Exactly. How are you going to stand up? Because you can stand up and say, screw you, blah, blah, blah. That's 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 not compassion. That's not. uh, It's like I statements. I feel that you're doing something instead of you're mean to me or you don't listen. I feel like you're not listening to uh-huh. me. Here's the experience I'm having. Yes. When you said that, this is what I felt like. Yeah. And again, these are practices, and sometimes you sometimes you have to have the experience of doing it the wrong way to yep. realize the consequences of trying to stand up and yell at people. Well, and once again, back to Keyshawn's son. Like you know, sometimes you have to get the school got him in trouble because yeah. he was smoking weed. Yeah maybe that, you know, I don't want to rehash the conversation, but Keyshawn, I just feel like he like turned the situation upside down Mm -hmm. and maybe it didn't necessitate moving him back from Nebraska to California. And again, it it did if other things were tried and this ended up being the solution. And this is what we don't know. So the next one, get to know yourself like a friend. Kristen Neff, who wrote the book about self-compassion, and when I say wrote the book, she's the one who did all the research. Brene Brown used Kristen Neff's research for her research. Mm-hmm. She's she, Her whole thing is treat yourself like you treat your best friend. And yeah. most of us are like, uh, I don't mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. You know, to your point, yeah. you can help your friend, but you can't help yourself. That's a really good one. It is. Treat yourself, you know, get and get to, do you, I love this sentence, get to know yourself like a friend. How do that you do that? That means you you give it's almost interesting because you can use that observer mind again because you can use the observer mind we talked about to notice yourself and to have to recognize that you are a for as much as you were given this soul and this body you're also a human mm-hmm. And that sometimes humans don't say the right thing. Like Todd and I were, you know, gone this weekend. We were at family camp. And, you know, you have a lot of like small talky conversations with people and majority of them wonderful. But sometimes you have talks with people that are really like, eh, you know, like uncomfortable yeah. or you say dumb things, you know. And and that's when I kind of the observer in me or the the humor part of me looks and is like, wow, that was really a dumb thing to say. Yeah. And but 
are you saying that to yourself with humor or are you saying that to yourself with disdain? Yeah. Are you saying like- It's guilt, shame, right? Guilt, shame, yeah. Guilt is some, saying something that I just said something stupid. Right. Uh, shame is I, I am, am stupid. stupid. Yeah, right. it's like, oh, look, there I go again. This is who I am. Uh, just a few more. Be easy on yourself about your personal quirks. Mm. Um, my children point out my personal quirks all the time. I know when I'm not around, they make fun of how I sing in the car constantly, even though they do it they too. They make fun of your laugh too. They make fun of my laugh. They make fun of... And, and when I'm saying this... It's because they live with me all the time, so they hear it all the time. There are certain sentences I use all the time. So the way of them releasing the tension about those personal quirks is they laugh about it, It, majority of the time in front of me. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to do it anymore. Like I, These are my personal quirks. These are my things. These are... This is who I am. And if it was really horribly annoying, of course, I'd consider like if I was chewing with my mouth open all the time, I may be like, hey, I'm going to work on that. But if it's you can't sing in the car anymore because it's embarrassing. Sorry, kid. Sorry. You're asking me not to be who I am. And they do, too. Yeah. But then sometimes, you know how your parents, they're just we're just annoying. Todd, Todd was in the, uh, again, family camp this weekend. He was in the talent show and he emceed the talent show. He did a lovely job. I brought it. But he also did a few singing things, and the girls were like, Mom, is he really going to do this? And I'm like, he is. They were panic-stricken, and I think all three of them said, I don't know if they were being nice, but so, yeah, I sang a song, and then I sang another song, which is funny because I've never sang a song on stage before. (laughs) I'm 45 years old. I think it's the first time solo. Well, I wasn't solo. I had some. No, you had people. But um, I don't know. For me, this is kind of a tangent, but I just don't care as much anymore. No, neither do I. Get Brene Brown, get in the arena, just, whatever yep, it is. Yep, yep, yep. Just there's a part of me, and I think this came from Brene too, and I think I shared this with you, sweetie, is if I don't feel vulnerable after speaking to a group of dads or if I don't do something just in an effort to to be risky in front of a group, then I don't feel like I'm doing my job. Mm-hmm. Well, and to me, what risky is, because I don't take risks for risk's sake. I don't say I have to do something risky, so I'm going to make up a risky thing. What risky is to me is vulnerability, exactly. which is going in front of people and really being my full self. So if someone doesn't like me, they don't like me. Yeah. If you go up and you put on a mask and you just read off of a teleprompter and you whatever, if someone says they don't like you, you mm-hmm. can be like, well, that's not the real me. Yeah. And But when when you and I speak, mm-hmm. that's really you and I. Yeah. I mean, within reason, like yeah. obviously there's some professionalism we have to have or we're not, but this show, if you guys are annoyed at us when you're listening to this show, you're going to you, be annoyed you, at us if we have lunch. Yeah. You probably wouldn't want to hang out with us at lunch because this is really no different. Well, and this is another paradox and we can go on a completely different tangent, but the phrase that I got from Wayne Dyer, which is what other people think about me is none of my business, yeah. which is really powerful. But at the same time, if you only go with that logic and you don't take any feedback from anybody ever, that's not healthy either. Well, if you remember, that's like he did a podcast about his top 10 and he said, number five, your opinion of me is not what it, not worth my time or whatever. And then number six was always listen to what people say about you. Total paradox. And and it's a total paradox. Dude, what are you doing to me? Is it this or is it that? And it's both. Because if you're getting the same feedback from a lot of people about something that you're doing that's hurting people or something that you're doing that you're missing the mark, listen, because they're they're trying to give you feedback. But if you're getting a lot of unsolicited, negative um, people who, as Todd said, are not in the arena themselves, people who do things anonymously, people who like bring you down because they're down, then you can kind of notice the messenger yep. is really what it is. Um, last thing. Last thing. You ready? Ready. Speak your, I don't know if that's it. I don't, I don't know which one to do. How about this? Last one, because this is really what the show is. Sorry, that's my pencil, everybody. Speak your truth when you know you should. What does that mean? It means if you're in a situation... Should you always speak your truth? Well, sometimes people aren't asking for my truth. Hmm. Sometimes you need to just sit and listen and not, you know... Sometimes you're just there. So you're talking about discernment. I'm talking about discernment, and I'm all, I'm talking about for people who listen to the show, and they say, "My best friend hurt me. My my spouse hurt me. My my kids or or my friend they don't understand me." And then I say, "Well, how did they handle it when you told them this?" And they said, "Well, I haven't told anybody these things." You need to speak your truth mm-hmm. or else none of these things are going to be solved right. because nobody can come in and change the other person. No. The dynamic that needs to shift is the way you experience it. 
Hear that? All right, I'm done. Hear that? All right, uh, iTunes review. If you're listening to this on your phone, you could do a search in your podcast uh, store for Zen Parenting, and you can give us a review from your phone, and we would really appreciate that because it helps us get a gra- uh, grab a bigger audience. But we did get one from C.E. Dooley from the USA. They say that we are relevant, authentic, and funny. So thank is, you. Is that... Is I, it, I think is that it might Cindy or Craig. I think it might be, but maybe not. We might know this reviewer. We might, and if we again, do, we love them. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so that's that. Uh, we do have a conference coming up March second and third. Go to uh, zenparentingradio.com and go to events. Yes, OMG, get your tickets for the conference and my uh, How to Be Brave pre-conference workshop. Is I what I think there's twelve spots left, guys. There's not really? a lot. Yeah, fifteen, something like that. Oh now. Can I comment on this really quick? Sure. There's a lot of people that have signed up that aren't oh, yeah. attending the conference yet. You have to, or they haven't you have to go to the conference. They haven't bought their ticket yet. And a few people emailed me and said, because of money, I'm gonna get my spot in the pre-conference workshop and then I'm gonna buy the ticket for the conference later. And that that's just something we have to do, meaning that the pre-conference workshop is part of the conference. So if you just bought a ticket to the – I'm not going to bug you now because I assume you're going to buy the conference ticket But we soon. might bug you later. But I might bug you later because you, you – You can't do one without the other. Right. It's a full conference package deal. Um, And when you register for the conference, and thank you in advance for registering for a conference, um, there's something called Zen Friend? Yes, and friend. And uh, that's like a scholarship um, pool of money that we collect to help other people who want to come here that can't afford to. And I want to share this with one of our from one of our listeners. Thank you both for helping my wife and I find a voice to connect. I'm an active duty service member currently transitioning off of active service, and I did not realize how much of a stranger in my own house I'd become due to the demands of my job and the time away with training or deployments. I'm sure it's an experience many couples go through when one or both of the spouses travel a lot for work, as I learned from your podcast. If I can help my spouse understand what I'm feeling, we can discuss it and save conversations free from judgment. I would like to request financial support to come to your March 2018 conference from Fayetteville, North Carolina, home of Fort Bragg. And I would like to bring some of the teenagers from my church. I volunteer as a youth group leader of a startup church, and I believe I am a force for good. So this is an example. This is an example of the kind of emails we get. And we we want him here, and we want all those kids here. And like Todd said, this is one of many emails we get. And I struggled last week putting a bunch of stuff about Zen Friend on our Facebook page because of what was happening in Texas. Mm-hmm. It felt weird to be like, scholarship yeah. for our conference right. when people are so in need in Texas. So we haven't been as, vo- as vocal about sure. Zen Friend. But when you are buying your conference tickets, if you would consider um, giving a little money towards Zen Friend, so these people, this this man who's given who's dedicated his life to taking care of our country um, so we can get him here. Yeah. And, um, and maybe some teenagers that he knows. That those teenagers that he knows. So again, and other, you know, I've got the emails I get are usually from uh, single moms. I've gotten uh, emails from preschool teachers. I've gotten emails from families who have had a tough year financially who listen to the show but can't go. So, you know, we obviously, Todd and I can do our part and help too, but it's, we need a team here. Yeah can't do it all by ourselves. No. We're mm-hmm. asking for help. Yeah. It's the bottom line. And so go to zenparentingradio.com and then you can click on live events um, or go to that, you know, about Zen. Is that what it says? I think it's get Zen. Get Zen. Upper right hand corner, get Zen. Or if you're on your phone, I'm sure get Zen is at the top. So get Zen is the drop down menu and go to uh, live events. If you go to live events, it's the first box. Um, our last two partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, Dr. Kelly uh, from Tree of Life. Um, she adjusts me and my family twice a month. So if you're in the Chicagoland area, check her out at chirotree.com. And don't forget my good friend, Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. If you got a kitchen that you need to get redone or a basement or painting your house, whatever, give him a call. He's a bald head of beauty and it's avidco.net. Um, and that's about all I got. You got anything there, sweetie? I think I've we've already said a lot. Yes, we have. I'm gonna um, be quiet now. But I felt like it was a good show. Oh yeah, but I'm just ready to listen. You ready to go eat? Yes, I'm hungry. Where are we gonna go? I don't know. I don't know. I had an apple, so I'm not as starving as I was an hour ago. Apple a day keeps the doctors away. Right. 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 <laughs> 
Um, keep trucking, everybody. Love you. Share. Oh, listen. Oh. Skipping. Are you trying to be a DJ? And like a wiki wiki. What's wicka, that? Wicka 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 wicka. Yeah. I don't know. Unce, 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 unce. Adios. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us again next time. If you are a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. Or you can also just tell a friend about our show. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at kathy at zenparentingradio.com. That's Kathy with a C. Hey, next year's Zen Parenting Conference is March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. If you want to know more about this or any of our upcoming events, go to zenparentingradio.com and click events. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or on Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals, whether it's a relationship, parenting, career, time management, work-life balance, all that good stuff. Go to toddadamscoaching.com. And uh, I also have uh, the first session is free, so it's really no risk. Or if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out the tribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It won't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. I want to give a special thanks to both of our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support and keep on trucking.